Welcome to Stuff My Sister Says, a podcast that follows two sisters talking about what's going on in the world with a little bit of personal stories and sisterly banter in between. I'm Kritzia. And I'm Kiana. And join us every Tuesday as we tackle interesting topics from environmentalism to what's trending on Twitter. We want to start the conversation and have our listeners finish it. Our goal is to create a community of diverse thought, funny meme sharing, and uplifting messages to evoke a space of acceptance and friendship. Welcome back to Stuff My Sister Says with Kiana and Kritzia. I'm so excited for today's episode. Are you? Very much excited. I hope you're excited too. I'm a little bit. We are going to be touching upon Sea Spiracy. Mm. Came out about around two months ago. Again, I may be wrong. Um, and we're just super excited to delve in and just talk about some themes that are in it. We're gonna keep it lighthearted, you know, still funny with the with the sisterly banter. So yeah. it's not gonna be a bunch of facts coming out at you, but. There are going to be facts, though. I facts feel like- will be facts, and we will link all the sources, obviously, in the description, so you know where we're getting our information from. Right. And, yeah, this is just going to be environmental stuff on a thousand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, for me, my uh, contribution to this episode is just going to be uh, playing devil's advocate and asking, you know, questions to the big brain that is Kiana. When it comes to this, I do have a big brain. Yeah. That is just one thing. She literally, if, if there's any time you want to hear Kiana's stream of consciousness actually work, it's when she's talking about the environment. Do not hold that standard so high before I like don't pull through in this episode like uh, please do not put so much pressure on me how can i not put pressure on you we're on episode four already like that's four it. right level profession of professionalism needs has to, be, to uh, be there okay first segment you know what's coming stuff that is on our mind ritz take it away hey guys so what's been hey on- guys hey guys <laughs> let's let's go and win um so what's been on my mind this week not you sounding like marcel Hey, Marcel. What's been on my mind this week is uh, deleting social media. I no longer want to be perceived. Not us talking about social media. (laughs) Oh, gee, yesterday, uh, last episode, and Kutu's like, I want to delete it. Yeah, no, but like this week, but this is what stuff that's been on our mind. It changes week to week. Right. Um, I want to delete social media. Mm. I no longer want to be perceived. And when I talk about social media. Perceived. Like perceived. Like I don't want anybody (laughs) to see me and be like, hmm, I don't want to be a thought in anyone's mind. Like. I want to exist. Okay. And how conceited does it sound that I think that I'm on people's minds? <laughs> <laughs> but the main form of social media... you post literally once every two months. I know, but still... <laughs> I think it's the endless scrolling that you do. And that's what it is. And it's... First of all, it's Instagram. Not Twitter. Twitter I love Twitter. Twitter is hilarious, but it's Instagram. Um, I know it's a weird time because we're trying to like promote this podcast and make it grow. Um, but I, I thought, what a better time than now to delete it. Right. You know, to, to delete my personal... And uh, you know what's going to end up happening? She's going to use the stuff my sister <laughs> says Instagram to look at bloggers' pages and do stuff And do like all that. that stuff. But yeah, no, I've just, I've realized that I've spent too much time on my Instagram and I have so many things, especially in this month, that need to get done. Like that... Like, am I going to show your butt right now? Like what? Like that Excel course? The Excel course. <laughs> I'm just, I'm... This month for me is going to be really transition, transitionary. No, transitionary. Yeah. Please Webster <laughs> dictionary. Double check that. Thank it's, you. I, there's just going to be a lot of transition happening in this month, hopefully, and and 
I need to buckle down and focus. Right. And Instagram, like, I could be on Twitter, but I'll be on Twitter for a little bit, get off, and I won't think about it for a few more hours until I need to laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> until you need some serotonin? Yeah, until that serotonin and that GABA and all that needs to, like, yeah, be... not me not knowing what that is. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, Instagram, me getting rid of it, That that's what's been on my mind, you know, so. Cute. Cute, right? Well, that's definitely not on my mind. <laughs> you. I'm trying to grow a business. Right. She's trying to run multiple businesses from Multiple her... businesses from my literal... Closet. Closet of a bedroom. But right. she works and I have my own bedroom, so I am forever grateful. Right. Anyways, what's been on my mind? Finals, finals, finals. It is currently first week of May. Um, so that means final season. I have a presentation, two papers. No one cares, but you're busy. (laughs) Yeah, and a test to do. I conclude May 9th, so please just keep all the college kids in your prayers. Um, exciting news. I have a graduation. Not one, but two. But two. I'm doing, uh, they think it's going to be in July. Um, I'm going to do my undergrad of 2020 and my MBA of 2021. So that means, right, multiple grad gifts. No, I'm kidding. My family doesn't believe in grad gifts. They're like, that's what you're supposed to do. Literally, literally, that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Wow. So July, exciting month. New York City is opening. Right. Two Two graduations graduations for Kiana. And you being a July 24th baby. Which means... You haven't been able to celebrate your 21st. Right. Or your 22nd, so now you're really going to go hard did for the 23rd. Did I celebrate my 21st? Yeah. But, yeah, like, it was, like, towards the end of the summer, we didn't really do much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I just So, July's going to be really, like, July's going to be fun, but obviously we're going to be safe and wearing our masks. Absolutely. Hashtag. And we're vaccinated. Hashtag vax up. Is that what it's called? Hashtag um, vax up. I'm a vaxed and waxed hot girl. I don't wow. know. There's too many, like. And some hot girls. <clears throat> do some hot stuff. Right. Okay. Um, and lastly, to wrap up stuff on our mind, we just need to shout out our, the person who, well, not the person, the animal that holds up this whole podcast, Gus. Um, if you didn't know, Gus ran away and I'm laughing because he had everything here, but still decided to. The man has a home. He has healthcare. He has has two meals. Two meals a day. Fresh water, love, peace, love, tranquility. <laughs> but he said that's not enough. I need adventure. I need to go and see the world. So he went. Gone for two days. Me and Chris are running around our neighborhood asking neighbors. Talking to people that we had never spoken to before. <laughs> asking, where is Gus? And thank God that this cat has been here longer than at this point we have. Yeah. So everybody knows who he is. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, so we're looking for him. We're losing our minds. And then... He just pops up one day. One night, yeah. One night, but he doesn't just pop I was up. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Gus. And Chris is like, no, it's not. I thought it was a fever dream. I was like, there's no way this is Gus. And then we saw Gus. But he, he didn't just come with himself. Yeah. He came with an accessory. He came with a limp. I know. It was so bad. He literally couldn't walk on his, uh, like, put any pressure on his right hind leg. Yeah. Right back leg, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was so sad. We were like, what the heck happened to you? And this is the best part. When we tried to grab him and bring him to the emergency vet at 11 o'clock at night because we love that man so much, he runs. He runs. And he didn't just run. He ran into every single person's neighbor, like, into every neighbor's yard. Yep. So I then proceeded to go to different neighbors and be like, hey, our cat is in your yard. Can we go and check? 11 p.m. at night. 11 p.m. at night. Like, any normal person would probably be like, no, and shut the door in my face. But thankfully, we have nice people who yeah. say, yeah, no, of course. Um... 
But yeah, he ended up running away after that. We didn't see him for another day. And then his sorry ass finally realized, oh, wait, like, (laughs) I'm down bad. Right. It was raining for a few days. And I guess it was like, oh, wait, I'm cold and I'm hungry. So he came back. We gave him food. Like, we still took him in. And then we took him to the vet. And thankfully, his leg wasn't broken or twisted. He just had these really deep wounds. We don't know if he was attacked or got stuck in a fence or whatever happened. But he has his pain met. This is what I'm talking about. Health insurance. Pain meds antibiotics you know he has a checkup in two to three days yeah and gus is very much back to give us the love we need so we can continue this podcast right because without gus he is the the talent manager what would we say gus is gus is my reason for living at this point okay that's kritzia gus is (laughs) Gus Arena doesn't even realize how much he's actually, like, a part of this family at this point. I know. He's so lovely. Yeah. So, yeah, it broke my heart when I saw him limping. But now he's good. He's back in his house. He's back to eating his organic food. Back in his heated house. In his heated house. So, yeah, I just just wanted to uh, give you an update with um, the talent manager of... Our social media. Our social media of the podcast. Everything that we have going for us is because of Gus. Right. So even though this is a super heavy environmental episode, it wouldn't be a Stuff My Sister Says episode without the quick environmental fact of the day delivered by Kiana. Wow. So we are going to touch on microplastics later, so this will be quick. But did you know it's actually cheaper to create virgin plastic than to use recycled plastic. It's actually, wait, when I learned that, my mind wait, was blown. Wait, 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 so you're telling me, wait, why are we told to recycle then? Because companies still use recycled plastic, but the incentives aren't there. Because recycled plastic takes more labor compared to virgin plastics that is just made for petroleum. So it's more cost effective to just have the plant going and making these plastics as opposed to having the recycled plastic picked up, bought to the plant. So it's just money money and cutting costs. Basically, yes. Yikes. Isn't that crazy? So this is why it's so, so, so important to always put pressure on companies that you buy from to prioritize using recycled plastic because if we don't, they would still use virgin plastics. And to talk to your local government officials to understand what is recycled in your town, what isn't, and always wash your recyclables. I always tell Kritia, please wash your recyclables. And she doesn't. First of all, she does like sometimes she We don't have to go okay, into but my, some, quick. My... Sometimes she literally opens up the can of tuna, feeds Gus, and then not the can of tuna, his food that comes in a can, and then just throws it in the garbage. I'm like, Chris, our recycling bin is right next to the garbage. <laughs> and she really goes plop. And then I open the trash, my ass, I take it out, I wash it out. And I put it in the recycling. I'm like, Kritzia. Sounds miserable. Anyways, let's talk about the topic. <laughs> You're annoying. Okay. So this week, uh, since we had kept saying... First of in- all, good job, Kritzia, for finally watching the documentary. Yes, thank you so much. Round of applause. Um, so this week, again, we wanted to talk about the documentary Seaspiracy. We had been teasing you guys for two episodes in a row that we were right. going to talk about it. Um, and while we aren't going to break down the episode completely, because I think everybody should watch it for themselves for themselves so you can draw your own conclusion we're just going to talk about some of the parts that stood out for us but to just give you a tiny bit of an idea of what you're going to get into uh watching the documentary it was the purpose of it was to expose what is actually happening to our oceans when it comes to commercial fishing and plastic pollution along with other labor mispractices and who actually 
is being exploited for our seafood consumption. The documentary also explained how fragile the ocean's marine ecosystem is and what a big part it plays in the prevention of global warming, which I found fascinating. I had no idea that the ocean was such a key player, but that's something that we can touch upon later. And so yeah, to start this discussion, we wanted to look at the way that greenwashing was used in the documentary and go a little deeper at how we uh, come into contact with greenwashing in more ways than we realize. So to start this all off, Kiana, why don't you give us a definition of what greenwashing is? So greenwashing is when companies use marketing tactics to promote a product as like sustainable or compostable when it's not. Um, in the United States, the word compostable and biodegradable aren't regulated. So honestly, anyone can throw that on a label because again it's not regulated everything eventually does break down Um, so it is technically it still falls under the category of biodegradable but again yes but again marketing tactic they didn't have to fix their formula or do anything it's just very much oh it's gonna biodegrade like duh everything is yeah and so a quick example is like when you go to a store and see an item is green or has the word planet on it it makes you believe that the product is more environmental environmentally friendly when in reality the ingredients are probably just as toxic to its counterparts it's just in a green bottle or like for example when we went to the supermarket one time there was a seventh i think it's seventh generation Mm -hmm. they had a laundry detergent in like a not it was a cardboard box it was like a cardboard box and it had the detergent in it but it was like wrapped in plastic Which made no sense. I was like, what is the purpose of it? Actually, no, it wasn't seventh generation. Seventh generation was all cardboard. Tide did the same thing. Tide had a cardboard box and the Tide cardboard box was wrapped in plastic. Yeah, but I guess the point of... I think ultimately the point of greenwashing is to make you feel good when you're buying the product. When you're buying your purchases, but again as a consumer because everything can be mislabeled you have to do your own research because let's say dawn dish soap frames as being the soap that cleans uh cleans animals up from ocean cleanup woo hooray or like the oil spill but like why but their ingredients are so toxic for the water system that's eventually going into our oceans so it's like this juxtaposition where it's very much like there's a reason why that soap is only 50 cents to a dollar when you coupon at cvs Right, right. Let's you not know? get into your coupon days because that'll be a whole we're, thing. Right. We're not. So then what was an example of greenwashing in Seaspiracy? So a um, a version of greenwashing was basically the dolphin safe label. Where do you, uh, a dol- what, is, what do you mean? A dolphin safe label. So on your tuna, I didn't even realize this. When I went to the supermarket after the uh, documentary. documentary and I saw on these tuna cans, it had a dolphin safe label. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I never realized that until the documentary. And then after, guys, you need to watch this part, when it was talking about how the Dolphin Safe label really has no weight to it because the amount of bycatch that is caused by fishing these fish, it's crazy. Pause. Yeah. Let's explain. What is bycatching? Yeah. Bycatch is basically when, let's say, you're going for bluefish tuna. Yeah. um, Well, that's more high-end uh whatever regular tuna or salmon whatever those huge fishing nets are only gonna get tuna they're gonna get turtles they're gonna get sharks they're gonna get other types of fish and they're 
gonna get dolphins and you know people's obsession with dolphins yeah, we're yeah. very much like no we don't want these like they're dolphins. so smart they're so precious yeah, so, they're so, yeah. so the marketing of these labels are very much like don't worry this fish did not kill anything else but this my, net didn't this kill net didn't uh kill anything else the consumer wants to feel good with its purchases so it's very much not backed by anything, doesn't have any weight. And the organization who promotes this label actually makes money from putting labels on different types of tuna companies. So if the so, money is there, why would you have an incentive to actually regulate where this, where if bycatch is actually happening, you're still going to make money. And us as consumers aren't on that boat. We don't know what ends up happening. So mm. we trust the label. And that's why a lot of marketing, a lot of greenwashing goes into this. So don't worry, we didn't kill any animals. When in reality, we have killed thousands and thousands of animals trying to get only a small percentage of fish. Yeah. And we will get into the destruction overfishing has caused later. Um, also, with greenwashing, the idea of sustainable seafood... See, that that's also... Not to cut you off, but that's also, I think, something that's really interesting. These, like, new buzzwords that people talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, sustainability, biodegradable, um, compostable. All these words that kind of get associated with inherently good, saving the planet. There, There's no, like, regulation, Right. I won't say there's no regulation in any, in all environmental terms because there are things like B corporations, the fair trade logos. Mm -hmm. Like there, there are in, I don't want to make it seem like these environmental institutions are only in it for the money. Definitely yeah. not. Are certain organizations going to take advantage? Yes. Yeah. But because, others, mm -hmm. if you, if, um, if a company has a B corporation logo, you know, they're set to certain standards and what they're saying is true. And you know what? This is a little criticism, I guess I have. I mean, like, I'm not a film critic. I don't, you, whatever. I feel like definitely the documentary did a, a bad job at showing these environmental companies. Because again, you think of an environmental company, you think that they're doing... Well, an environmental organization. Organization is trying to do its best for the environment. And I get that he was trying to expose... Uh, what's really certain, going on, yeah, certain, certain groups, the money and everything. But I think f for people who wouldn't go out and do more research, they could be discouraged and think, and yeah, and that's a, oh, huge, that's a huge issue. You know, like you're doing maybe more harm than good. And the reason why I talked about the word sustainability, I remember he went to one of these environmental uh, organizations and he was like, so what is sustainability? Mm -hmm. And they couldn't give a clear definition of what it was. Yeah. So for the consumer, it's kind of like maybe that is going to not give them any incentive to look for those. And it also painted, I think, environmental organizations in a bad light. Like, oh, these people are just... They're all in they're it for all the money. in it and for the money. The way I think it was framed was very much like shunned away from all these organizations and kind of took all the good that they still were doing. Yeah. Um, because they're still a voice for the planet. So yeah. that is something that we criticized when we saw the film. Um, but yeah, this goes into like farm-raised salmon. Is that kind of greenwashing? Like, is there a thing for sustainable seafood? I think the only reason, it, and this is something that, just to get personal with our diets and the way that our mom uh, raised us, we have been lucky enough to have for most of our lives, eaten organic. 
And we have been exposed to many different types of restaurants and foods and from different, I guess, levels, economic levels of, of foods. So when we say, Kiana and I can say, we taste the difference between wild caught salmon and farm raised salmon. The color is different. The texture is different. The flavor is different. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much farm raised salmon they do consume. Yeah. And it it makes up more than like 50% of salmon sold. Exactly. And seeing the documentary and seeing what our mom has always kind of told us that wild caught these things there there are a difference was really eye-opening to see how these animals are treated and the type of greenwashing and marketing that go into it and it's like they're they they pretend they're selling you the same product but it's very much not it it's a completely different product that goes into the privilege of food access and what you can afford to buy so i'm not saying that you should stop eating farm raised salmon or things like that if that's the only thing that you can afford but we're coming from an angle that it's very different like wild caught salmon and farm raised salmon are different and the documentary goes into showing the effects that the sam these farm-raised salmon have on the ocean around them um how they're raised the the antibiotics put into them like all these things end up going back to us so i guess the question that i'm posing to you uh to you guys is very much like is there a thing of sustainable seafood because yes we're not going out and catching fish and having bycatch and destroying ecosystems but it's still causing so much waste and antibiotics in the water to raise those animals. And then in turn, it's not super good for us. So where do we draw the line? And that's a question that I really give to you guys. And you guys make up your conclusion because, again, there's things with privilege, access to all these types of things. So that's just a little bit of greenwashing that we did see in the documentary. And next, I think it would be super, super smart to go into microplastics just because I know for me, I've been hearing the buzzword microplastics for the last couple of years. And I don't really know if um, everyone knows what they are. Um, I touched upon it last episode when I was talking about the microplastics. Oh, the credit card amount? The credit card amount. And um, we do have, there is microplastics in Uh, items like polyester and nylon clothing so microplastics are fragments of any type of plastic less than five millimeters in length according to the u.s national oceanic and atmospheric administration and the european chemicals agency they enter natural ecosystems from a variety of sources including cosmetics clothing and natural processes so what was so interesting about this documentary is kind of exposing what we've been fed in the media where it's very much it's your water bottles it's your straws it's your cutlery it's all these things it's on you 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 but doing more research after being exposed to this information according to nat geo microplastics make up 94 percent of an estimated 1.8 trillion pieces of microplastics in the garbage patch what is the Uh, garbage patch it's just this basically this big swirling mess of garbage that follows like the ocean currents. Yeah. The currents go a certain way, so then all this stuff is Is it like a in. small like a little island? That's Girl, what it looks like. It is so big. 
Oh, I it's mean, really I don't big. know. It's not like I've skydived over the, great, yeah. the garbage patch, but yeah. there's like five great garbage patch. There's five? Uh, there's five of them. There's four or five of them. It's not just one. Shut up. There's, I've... Yeah, I really thought it was just one patch no, just chilling in the water. There's multiple, and I was also watching. Um, pretty sure it's a Vox video. I will. We will have all these sources in uh, the description. Where that's not even where a huge portion of the garbage is held. It's very much on our coastlines, and wow. I, yeah, and it goes into. I don't know the exact uh, measurements of it. But a huge, huge, huge chunk of all the garbage is just being pushed in and out of waves on coastal cities or it's being trapped on our beaches. Amazing. Yeah, and because all these waves are moving and breaking it down, that's what's causing a huge array of microplastics, which do end up in the sediment and on our beaches. So going back, um, the study found that fishing nets account for 46% of the trash with the majority of the rest composed of other fishing industry gear, including ropes, oyster spacers, eel traps, crates, and baskets. So can you believe that all this time we were very much fed, it's you, it's you, it's you, but the commercial fishing industry is one of the main causes of plastic pollution in the ocean, which very much blew my mind. But question, when, you know. Kutsia, question. You don't have to say question. I'm not your teacher. I know. I just, I'm so used to. I've been so conditioned. I can't by... believe you didn't know there was multiple garbage patches. But this is what I'm saying. It's not every day that they talk about, hey, guys, by the way, there's a new plastic patch. To... Yeah. Because I think it just, I don't know, for me, I know at times, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. Like that post on Instagram that everybody was uh, putting on their story that we have seven years to like basically fix the planet before we all like yeah, self-combust. Yeah, in Union Square, the countdown. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that there... You get this... You get mixed messages. Hey, we only have seven years on one end, but on the other end, it's but like, no, where, there's hope. That, yeah, but that's where the climate crisis. That's oh, where, wait. We have two different crises? crises? We have a... We, yeah, we have the ocean crisis, we have the plastic pollution crisis, we have the climate change po- crisis. Oh, oh, wow, but, I'm really learning something <laughs> as we speak. That, I thought countdown, it was just... that countdown isn't the world's going to explode. It's very much like this is after, this is the t- cut timeline that we have to cut emissions to only raise the Earth's temperature to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So you're telling me I have to worry about the plastics... Yeah. The ocean. Yeah. And climate change. But what's good about the ocean is the ecosystem rebounds so quickly. The ocean's so bountiful that it's not like on land ecosystems that take a long time Mm. to regenerate. It's very much the ocean if we gave it five years of just vibing. Like, yes, we take some fish, but very much majority just leave it in the place leave stuff in place coral reefs would come back but see Um, that's and that's what i'm saying to you know going back to microplastics and everything like that we're given all of these terrible statistics and sometimes you need to focus on what can be done instead of the damage already done like microplastics that's a good quote 
I just pat myself on the back. Of course you did. Yeah, just like microplastics. If we could go in and clean up a lot of the plastics that are in the ocean, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to take money. If we, again, like I said, a lot of the plastics is on the coast of coastal cities. We go out and clean up those things. A lot of the microplastics will not be in our fish, will not be. It even goes down to plankton. It goes down to the plankton? Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, fish has such a huge concentration of toxins toxins and plastics because of all the stuff that we throw into the ocean Mm. that it's very much not healthy it's not one of the healthiest options to eat obviously i'm not telling you guys you need to eat one thing over the other you do whatever you need to do i'm not here to judge but it it has a high intake of toxins and plastics and we and i guess this goes into like commercial fishing and overfishing because we can't put the blame all the blame on the consumer right right the shift of blaming the consumer for basically why the world is imploding okay really quick we're not going to make this in the entire episode obviously but through the knowledge that i've learned through kiana and just again being on that godforsaken social media apps mm-hmm. i've realized that it's crazy how much the consumer gets blamed mm-hmm. and how much we're told that we and i'm not saying that it's going to take a joint effort, corporations and consumers. No, it's very much, it's not going to take corporations and consumers because corporations are meant to exploit. It's going to take government legislation and to a certain extent, yes, us changing some habits that we have, again, with the accessibility and privilege and things like that. But it's very much, the huge change is government regulation and government change because that's the only thing that is very much going to stop corporations from doing what they need to do yeah but you see again going back to the documentary i definitely i didn't like the way that they basically told us they made it seem so simple for people to just stop eating fish for people like you and me i i can speak for myself i'm a pescatarian and i you know i go back and forth vegetarian pescatarian and for me, because I've been, I'm not a picky eater. I eat yeah. anything. I can, you know, make meals. And I, I not that I study food, but I'm, oh, I know that, okay, I'm not eating meat so I can get my proteins from all these uh, vegetable sources and things like that. And I'm more flexible with my diet. I have the ability to go to three different supermarkets and get whatever the hell I want in my car, no yeah. issue. But... With my experience with my job and going to different parts of America and seeing how inaccessible supermarkets are and how it is very easy to go to a McDonald's, a Waffle House, a Wendy's, an Arby's and get quick food. No, Arby's? But you see what I'm saying? But, But what I'm saying is, and not to go off topic, but this is, I think, the, the, Big city bubble we live in. This the bubble that we live in. You and I are ill. We don't like Arby's. Even if we did eat meat, ew. Arby's <laughs> is trash. Arby's is stinky. Like <laughs> it's gross. But when you go to these towns and you see, I've been to a town where there was nothing but a Mexican restaurant, a McDonald's, the hotel that I was staying at, and it was houses and farms all around me. Like I think people when they don't leave certain states and they, you know, they say, oh, I traveled or whatever. You don't see that most of your con- most of the country is rural. Yeah. Like it's not a big it's populous not Seattle, NYC and LA. You know, it there's so much more and 
again, to go back to the documentary and just telling people, hey, get rid of fish or find vegan options, it's not as simple as you Even think. Even in New York, like, I think yesterday or the day before that was the First time I ever saw um, vegan seafood. But see, you even you have the ability to Google and look for it. No, but I'm no I for whatever reason I don't know where the hell I was or maybe again fever dream. But I very much passed a bill billboard that was like sustainable seafood. I have no idea where, but it was very much the first time that I ever experienced this. And that's what's going into, again, the shift of the blame on the consumer and not the corporation. And just looking at, let's say, indigenous communities who have had super healthy relationships with the ecosystems around them and them having these practices for all their lives. Like, who are we to tell them to stop eating fish? or fishing communities in Africa or Asia where they rely heavily on fish but to provide to provide income for their family, you know, um, things to eat for their family. Like, these people aren't exploiting the ocean. They're yeah. very much taking what they need, again, and vibing out. And literally you know, vibing. making but their even, life out of it. But even up in Alaska, like, we have cousins who, they're not in, like, big like commercial fishing but they are they are on fishing boats and they spend a couple months like working on those fishing boats there are still indigenous people in alaska who do the traditional fishing and and i'm not sure farming or anything or catching um animals to consume and yeah who are we to tell them oh what you're doing is wrong but because that was that has been their way of life life. so long so i think again like very much just having this message is very much like shutting the voices of other communities down and just being ignorant to the fact that not everyone is at the same playing field yeah. or has the same yeah. access. I just, I, yeah, that's something that really just turned me off. The tone of the guy, it just sounded like elitist and like, oh, this should be accessible to everyone. No, and it's, it's, not. And it's not. It's not. And, and it's, it's not fair. Not. Exactly. So again, to fight overfishing uh and commercial fishing or to try to make it i don't even think you can make it sustainable this is the overarching question like that we're gonna have a conversation about like is there sustainable seafood you know what can we do as consumers and putting pressure on our governments to make us have a better relationship with the ocean because at the end of the day like people aren't going to stop eating fish um i think it's it's very much like figuring those things out and like trying to get to the root source so let's say government subsidies which is something that uh seaspiracy touched a lot which upon, was fascinating which is um any use of government funds to specifically help the fit uh to help an industry and in this case it was the fishing industry and then this can be anything from a cash payment tax breaks um or even like a free service to building a port or an infrastructure and I actually am sourcing a research um, that we will also link in the description. So the researchers found that the global fishing industry is being supported by $35 billion in yearly government subsidies. And the majority of these upwards of $20 billion annually promote increased ca- capacity that could lead to harmful impacts such as overfishing. And this is exactly what I'm talking about because the ocean is becoming so depleted. Um, Seaspiracy touched upon this. 
they're coming into more local coastal fishing waters of like and, indigenous of people indigenous people or just uh lower income countries where their family depends on the fish financially and also depend on the fish to feed their family and now these people with wooden boats have to go deeper and deeper and try to fight for the same fish that these huge monstrous commercial fishing boats are trying to get yeah and and that's and then and the government subsidies that come in right now are making local fish more expensive than yeah. fish that are sold at commercialized supermarkets yeah and it's it gets then into an ethical issue because now these people not only can get can't get fish they can't sustain their families so what else is there and then that roots into a bunch of other issues but this is i guess a lot of there's a lot of overlap in this commercial fishing slash overfishing theme that we are touching upon and again like going back into the dolphin safe tuna and the false labeling that's another ethical issue because they're now selling us an idea that no other animals were hurt there's no bycatch when there's very much millions of animals are dying every year so we can have fish and fish and, and, and all these yeah. different things i think the the documentary is good at just showing because we can we can say commercial fishing we could talk about boats we could talk about nets mm-hmm. we could talk about all these different things but i think when you actually watch the documentary and you can have a visual from the stats of how many fish are in our oceans how big these nets are how delicate these marine ecosystems are that's when it's really going to impact you and make you realize wow, this is a bigger problem than what any of us could have really thought about. Because I think what happens is I have watched, obviously not as much as Keanu, but I've watched a lot of different types of documentaries about climate change and the environment. And even earlier, I was shocked that all these different plastics and ocean, like I didn't know we were fighting more than one battle. I thought it was just the climate battle. But I think that maybe the media has sold us the idea that there is only one issue and that it is just the climate. And, you know, in the documentary, they touched upon the straw mania and how these companies all of a sudden, because people decided, hey, we need to save the turtles, you know, people started giving up straws and whatever. And, oh, like, people started saying, start using, bring your utensils everywhere. Uh, Stop using water bottles. So people made... They shift the problem. They never fix the problem at the source yeah because before this it could have been said that most people thought that it's again very much our fault that all this plastic and stuff is ending up in the oceans while these corporations who are selling us a lie that there's no such thing as bycatch and they're fishing in sustainable ways but but whatever twisted but my my point is it's that for me a person who likes to stay informed and likes to watch a lot of different things I didn't realize the the impact that commercial fishing had. I didn't realize yeah, that either. it doesn't yeah, that it doesn't it affects it affects everyone. Yeah. It affects every time you eat fish, it purchase it, whatever you do at a restaurant at home. And it doesn't just affect us Americans, it affects every everyone. single corner of this earth. And it was scary to see that the problem was so much bigger than I think even like regular farming for pigs and chickens and cows 
because again we were pushed just like this is the the deforestation and all these things um because of animal agriculture but then you have this other issue which i thought was fascinating in regards to the ocean i had no idea that the ocean is the biggest the ocean is a carbon sink i didn't know it was a carbon sink i there is more algae in the ocean than trees on this planet and algae suck co2 from whatever the the environment the, the atmosphere yeah whatever and um it's it's just crazy and it also i think we well not we but people we we, we um some people ignored it for so long because they don't think that fish feel pain um oh yeah that was another fish, thing that fish whatever are like not aren't animals but there's more of a fight for the pigs and the chickens because they're, Cause they're cute, like cute and, we and they're land them. animals and we see them more as opposed to like fish like ill look at these veiny creatures like who cares they they there's a million of them like we're fine and that's i think the huge difference of like trying to tackle ocean issues as opposed to what cowspiracy was tackling with um agricultural farming so it's very 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 much crazy those are just some thoughts that we had on seaspiracy i think it would be i'm not saying for you to become an environmental obsessed person like me that's just something that has come naturally towards me but i think it'd be very 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 informative if you guys watch seaspiracy obviously watch it with a critical eye it's always good to go into something having critiques because not everything is perfect yeah and once you fiddle out what's good what's bad i think the overall theme of we need to save our oceans matters a lot again share it with friends have these conversations with your family again i guess it could go into question of the week what is sustainable seafood do we culturally do we have to change things you know to help save the planet it's just all these things like as a new generation it's just a lot of things but if we don't get overwhelmed and we start having these conversations and lobby with our governments i think there is hope there is always hope yeah i think there is there is hope there are different ways that we can i guess make adjustments to our lifestyle to be more environmentally friendly and environmentally conscious about what we consume or, or how we do day-to-day things. But I think ultimately, like you mentioned earlier, it does come down to putting pressure on the government to really hold these corporations accountable. And at the end of the day, they only care about the dollar. Yeah, it really is all about the money, which always kind of blows my mind. I'm like, this is only there's only one planet like where is everyone going and i'm sure the elites have their like you know homes in mars and stuff like that (laughs) i just don't know where these government officials want to go i guess there's another planet that i don't know anything about and like good for them i hope i can make some money off this podcast and go to mars with elon musk and and whoever else because y'all got a different plan that (laughs) whatever um but yeah I hope that this episode didn't leave you guys feeling bleak or hopeless or feeling that, oh crap, I can never eat fish again. Just always keep in mind, do what you can. It is, it's easier than what you may think it is, I guess. If you can participate in ocean cleanups or, you know, not use straws, not use 
you know, plastic water bottles, every little thing does and help. And talk and talk and talk to the people around you. Yeah, and spread the information and, and try to educate those around you as well. Mm-hmm. Share this episode. Maybe people want to listen to us. Right. Maybe they don't, but either way, just, again, get the conversation going and just think a little bit. What can I do to make some type of change? Yeah, and that can be making a group on Facebook to talk about these things. Be the next Greta Thunberg. Like, right. sit in front of the U.S. Capitol and be like, I demand this, that, and the third. There's so much that You don't have to be that extreme. Like, you can literally... I'm just saying, if you want to be the next Greta, like, go right. ahead. Or you could just, like, I don't know, go vegetarian. What is that? Meatless Mondays. Meatless Mondays, things like that. So, those are just some things that we could do as individuals. But, honestly, it's the government who needs to... Yeah. Let's really, go. It really all What's comes up? down to the government. Right. But, yeah. That uh, concludes our episode. Thank you guys so much for always tuning in, or whenever you can tune in. Please leave a review. We are, again, on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for the five-star reviews. But we, we need some commentary, you know? Right, very um, much. And we'll be sure to shout out one of you guys next week. Don't forget to follow our socials at Stuff My Sister Says Pod on Instagram. And we will be back next Tuesday with a brand-new sparkly episode. Right. DM us if you have any topic ideas that you want us to cover. Questions, comments, concerns. Our DMs are open. Yeah. And, yeah, we will talk to you. See you guys next week. See you guys soon. Bye. Peace 